0: Welcome to the Mental Health in Schools podcast, designed and delivered by Anna Bateman.
1: Hello and welcome to episode five of Halcyon Education podcasts. This is part one of a two-part series that we're covering on student leadership. And in both the episodes, I talk to students and teachers who have implemented well-being teams successfully in their schools in order to support the mental health of others and part of that whole school approach. In this episode, I talked to primary students, a member of SLT. I also talked to Gail, who's the Head Start Programme Manager for Hull. Um, Head Start is a, a big lottery funded uh, programme which aims to support the mental health in school and within the community. This episode is rich with ideas on how to include primary age pupils into assessing and evaluating the mental health support pupils receive. Especially when, in Hull particularly, they've taken an approach where schools receive a whole school mental health award. And it's really lovely to hear the pupils talking about the part that they play in that.
0: First, a quick word from our sponsors. At Jigsaw PSHE... We believe that personal development and strategies to build mental well-being need to be taught and not left to chance. Jigsaw, the mindful approach to PSHE, leads the way in providing children and young people with its acclaimed, well-structured and developmental lesson-a-week learning experience in PSHE from ages 3 to 16. Detailed lesson plans and all the teaching resources needed, along with free updates and ongoing support, Make Jigsaw an invaluable, relevant and fresh resource, taking the worry out of PSHE planning. Written by teachers, for teachers. and mindfulness philosophy and practice underpins the whole programme. Statutory government requirements for relationships, health and sex education are amply covered. For more information, go to www.jigsawpshe.com or call at Jigsaw HQ. Now to the podcast.
1: We are in Ainsthorpe Primary School, and I'm here with Violet, Gabby, and Charlie, and also with Missus Britton. And we're just going to be um, finding out a little bit more information about their approach to mental health and well-being, and how they've, how the students have been part of assessing the school and understanding the school Um, and yeah so thank you for being here thank you for having us that's all right so um, just some thoughts about what I love and why I was really excited about doing this podcast with you was your approach to um, mental health so I you, you know work in a lot of schools and sometimes we can end up with a bit of a tick box exercise that says tick we've got this and tick we've got that but actually it doesn't really change what happens in School, but I know that you've gone through a big change here. So I would love to for you to tell me a little bit about your all your involvement in that change. That be okay. Yep. Who wants to go first? Well, our
2: journey started about four years ago when we moved into this new building, and we had a room going spare. So our home as an officer decided she wanted to set it up and use it as a as a place where children could go if they'd got any issues, or wanted to talk about anything, or were feeling a bit sad. And from there, our Head Start journey began really because we thought well, we can extend it to all the children we can also extend it to staff which is where these three came
1: in mm. so what
3: was your role in that we did like head start and with like we'd got a scenario and we'd go to any teacher and say our scenario and then we'd like see what they do about it and then when we'd have our next meeting we'd say if we liked what they did or if we think they could do anything better okay
2: about it. And yeah. it, it wasn't just for teachers, was it? It was for, it was for any member of staff, so it could yeah. have been lunchtime staff, it could have been cleaners, it could have been anybody in the office yeah. that they could go to with these scenarios.
3: Yeah, and they didn't, like, know... And we had a lot of different one, and it was, like, you could do it any time or, like... And, yeah. and they didn't know we were doing
1: it or anything. No. And so that was kind of part of something you did to f- yeah. test the school, if, if you like? So that it wasn't just a tick box exercise. So when the school said, "Yeah, we're really good. We've got a safe space." So this is what we, you know, the room that we're in, we might call that a safe space for where children can go. Um, That you were testing that out with scenarios. So how how did you come up with the scenarios, or how did you how did you know what to do?
3: We had like a slip, and it said, "It said what you had to say," and you went up to the teacher, up to a member of staff, and you said that. And then you had to see what their reaction was and what they did. And then you told them that it was just an assessment. And then when we went to the meetings, we went back, said what they did, and said what we think they could do better.
1: OK. And did you have to have, like, any training to understand what you thought? This... So I guess you'll be using your feelings as a, as a child in the school, but also is there any other way that you knew... That the school were doing really well or could improve. Did you have any support with that?
2: We had some people from the Head Start team come in and yeah. give training to the children because it wasn't just three. It wasn't just these three. There were other children in the school that they took and they did training. Was it over two days, two afternoons? Yeah. Um, and so they did the training over two afternoons where they were told, "These are the scenarios. You've obviously got to say after you've done it and after you've been given the reaction." whether it's a positive or a negative one, because we were, st- we were on that journey, we just started on that journey, and then they had to explain to the member of staff, because obviously some of these scenarios were quite heartfelt and quite emotional, and members of staff, when they're given these scenarios, obviously will react in a certain way. So if it was a, a very serious scenario, they obviously had to be told afterwards that it was just an assessment, so they don't go bring it social services. But that was a good test of... Yeah all the members of staff here to make sure that we we're all doing the right thing so then the the children went back to the assessors and explained what the staff's reactions were and whether or not it fit in with what they they wanted or they expected to do
1: how did that feel being an assessor a secret assessor
3: it was quite hard because like these were all real things but you had to pretend that it was happening so mm. it was hard to pretend it mm. because some of them might not have happened to you so you might not know yeah. what to do yeah. Yeah. you just got it's to like to make it look like
1: it's a real it first okay. and, like, so you got to be a good good at acting yeah. yeah
3: and try and think of like what emotion you need to have while you're saying it and things
2: oh, okay. i think you had a bit of training on doing that though as well didn't you beforehand yeah. about how to to put did to put that across and how to put those emotions across
1: And how did it feel in the meetings after making um, sort of judgments, giving your opinions on how the school dealt with the issues? How did you feel, what did you think in those meetings?
3: Well we thought that it was like, it was quite hard because like we didn't want to be like mean to the teachers yeah Yeah. I felt like I was going to say yeah I know like you're doing a secret mission so like don't do it on me
1: yeah because there's something about you feeling loyal to the school I guess and not wanting to upset anyone and things like that so how did you get around that how did you how did you get around feeling like you didn't want to upset people but you knew that it was important to say what you thought
3: you just kind of had to think like it'll improve the school even if you're like sounding mean or anything, but it'll make the school better. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think That's children, quite a mature approach yeah. to take.
2: And I think children as well, in those situations, even though they are loyal to the school and they do like Gabby's just said, if they knew that it was going to improve the school in the long run, if some you know, if something dreadful had been said and then the member of staff had reacted in the wrong way, then that obviously needs addressing and I think doing it this way, um, with the children being involved, they feel as though they're a, they're part of it. So even if it was, yeah, this member of staff didn't handle it too well, okay, so what can we do to improve it? And that's that's a way forward. Mm. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. So that's, that's what we did.
1: And have you had any more involvement since doing your secret mission? Do you have any other involvement with the school in improving the well-being and mental health? Sometimes,
3: like, people just, like, bring it up, you know, like... Say, like, oh, yeah, what was it like? Or the young evaluators, like, did this Mm. to improve the school or something like that. Mm.
2: I think now we're a lot more having gone through this. I think all, every class does something to do with well-being at least once a week whether it's yeah, mindfulness coloring yeah. or whether it's doing a bit of breathing or meditating or something just to bring mm-hmm. everybody just to calm everybody i think or especially after
3: like yeah like yeah listening to um that thing where you're like, down the yeah. and yeah.
2: like so we've got in year six we've got a tibetan singing bowl okay. so we we hit that and the sound goes on for quite a long time and the and we just sit or and just control our breathing got and. A
3: jar as well, you? We?
2: Yes, we have. So lots, lots, obviously, because it was such a big thing that we wanted to improve. We looked all over for different ideas, and we've got in year six, we've got a big jar that's full of water and glitter that we shake, shake up, and it swirls round and that's our thoughts when we're angry and we can't make any good decisions when your thoughts are like that and it's for adults as well but then if you just still for a minute which is when we ring the singing bell, if you just still for a minute everything settles back down and you can make better decisions we do that and I know some classes downstairs have got similar things to that mm. but we all try and do something mm. um, that just I don't know, just helps people just to be well in themselves
1: Yes, and it is that Daily, weekly occurrence of well-being, isn't it? It's not just a well-being week or a well-being day, but you're actually practicing that, yeah. practicing mindfulness, yeah. the peacefulness, particularly when we feel angry or anxious every single day, or at least during the week. Is there anything else you think the school has done differently since your involvement and since being involved in Head Start? I think the
3: school's like took took part in like a few more things than we used to. Like I think we've gone on more trips or like. Stuff like that. Mm. We also talk more about how we're feeling and okay. our emotions to calm down and get it out.
1: That's that's good. Yeah, we, absolutely.
2: We use this, I said we, the children use this space that we're yeah. in now a lot to come and to do that and they know that this is a safe place for them, Yeah. To, you know, to come and to be angry or to be upset or um, and Mrs Mould is always sort of here to... Be that person to sort of shout at or get angry with or just to listen to, and um, every single child in the school knows that mm. this is the place to, to come to and that it's, it's good to talk about how you're feeling. Mm. Like Charlie said, we, we do spend a lot of time talking about that with the children, and you know, because they've got to understand as well that we, we sometimes need yeah. a bit of time as well. Which is, as they get further up the school, I think they've realised that yes. a lot more.
1: Do you do you use a curriculum or do you have lessons particularly on then emotions and emotional vocabulary and I think when we get in we do normally like
3: do colouring or like a bit of reading. Yeah. When we come in. And then we do like jigsaw and stuff sometimes and that's to do that can be to do around different things, but it's quite a lot to do around like mental well-being
1: and yeah. things like that. Yeah, and that, that's quite a mindfulness approach, isn't there? The jigsaw curriculum. Yeah, yeah. And how do you what do you feel about the lessons? What are your thoughts on them? You like them? Um, um, yeah. They're interesting. Are they thought-provoking?
2: Because sometimes it might not be anything to do with well-being, and but how how we start those lessons by having a moment to just sit and think or to to prepare them for the next step whether it's learning about Martin Luther King or whether it's um, learning how to debate safely and to we had we did one only last week um but we were having a debate in a court and sort of challenging stereotypes but before we did that you know everybody's entitled to a, mm. an opinion and just because you, it's your opinion doesn't mean you're right everybody so we had a go, which was quite difficult wasn't it yeah
3: because one side did like
2: Agreed with the statement. Yeah, statements. and then
3: once I didn't agree, even if that's not what they thought, they'd yeah. start to make up, like, scenarios to, like, prove that they think that. Yeah. Mm. So, it was,
2: so it was a good opportunity for them to mm. sort of see the other person's perspective. Mm. perspective. Mm. Um, but do it, doing that and doing it in a safe way, in a classroom where we know that we're told constantly, you know, it, nobody's going to laugh at you if you say the, yeah. if you say the wrong thing. I make mistakes sometimes on purpose sometimes accidentally. <laughs> well, accidentally but it's good for them to, to see that as well and it doesn't it, that doesn't matter if you can kind of laugh at yourself then yeah. it, it helps with, definitely. with all of that doesn't it? it
1: definitely so you can go in confidently because it sounds like yeah. when you went in even though you were a little bit nervous about how it go and you'd never done it before you were confident because people had talked to you about what you needed to do and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, somebody who's a lead teacher that can yeah. kind of help the students. Yeah, yeah. I
3: think this is maybe getting like a head start training, then they can do it. Yeah. Like them, so they don't have to get people coming in or something. Yeah. Because then they can just kind of do it Whatever. whenever because they don't have to However. ask people to come in and things.
2: And I think nowadays, children have got so much to deal with. There's always going to be scenarios there that you can take and use and adapt slightly so getting a number of scenarios and getting your children who at the end of the day will be proud to go you know i know that these three are happy coming here and are proud to come here and i think in any primary school you've got you get children like that who want to do something positive and want to help develop this this thing that's this this massive huge thing amongst staff and amongst even if you don't get head start involved or you can't get head start involved get those scenarios and like charlie said have a lead teacher who can organise that and sort of train these these young people to go and see how your staff would react to, the, you know, a horrible situation mm-hmm. that might happen, how are you going to react, what are you going to do, what are your protocols, you know, and, and go from there, but it does really enrich the mm-hmm. school when the children have been involved
1: yeah. um, and have had a say in yeah. what happens. Yeah. Thank you very much. So very wise words indeed. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add uh, that you felt like you hadn't said, that mm-hmm. you were thinking about before the podcast?
2: I just, I'm, I am really proud to be a teacher. I do love what I do, and I do love coming to I do love coming to work, and I think that this is just this is a part of it the Mm. fact that you get the children involved that they feel proud to have done something that's helped develop us as a a staff because they will tell the truth you know they'll tell us if we're not doing a good job you're the first one to know and I think that makes us question what we're doing Mm. and therefore makes us better teachers and more
1: and better equipped to deal with life Mm. today really Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I want to say a massive thank you to you, to you all and I really appreciate your time. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us.
0: And now a short break to hear from our sponsors. CPOMS is an online system for schools to manage pastoral concerns and events and is now used by over 10,000 schools. The main reason it works so well is that the categories of information as school logs on CPOMS are chosen by the school. So that the concerns you face that are unique to your community or individuals can be logged accordingly. It saves a huge amount of time compared to doing things on paper. Chronologies for pupils or school wide reports can be generated quickly. The Service Point Support Team provide an incredible standard of service and one of the main reasons that CPOMs are spread by word of mouth to so many schools. For more information, go to www.cpoms.co.uk, where you can also book a demo for your school. Now back to the podcast.
1: I'm with Gail, and she's the Head Start uh, Programme Manager for Hull. And we've heard from the young people about their experiences of being involved in how to assess a school with their mental health. And so I'm really, really excited to kind of speak to Gail about how that came about and you know, if you're a school that's not part of Head Start, how you might kind of go about thinking about um, involving the young people, really?
4: That's okay. So when we started, we had a two-year pilot working with ten primaries and three secondaries, and the whole school approach wasn't initially part of it. It was more about services, developing early intervention so that young people could cope with life's challenges, thrive in their community, bounce back, that kind of thing. Um, But as we moved to developing the five-year program, having taken the learning from the pilot, there was a report came out from Department of Education, Department of Public Health England, about a whole school approach. And actually, that made sense to us. So in all of our consultation with young people, school is one of the constants in their life, um, and we were really conscious that even if you're accessing a service, the rest of the time you're in school, and we wanted to make sure that young people felt school was a really supportive environment where they could find trusted adults, talk about worries, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So we worked with schools to develop it, really, and I think it's quite easy sometimes with these kind of things to do a bit of a self-assessment checklist, but they can be a little bit tokenistic So we wanted to really have a good think about how did we make it meaningful. Mm. And we talked to schools, and one bit was about linking it to Ofsted criteria, which obviously makes it very meaningful for schools. But a big part of it was the young person's voice and making sure schools had good systems for listening to young people, not just about their individual problems, but about things they liked about their school, things they would change, things that worked for them. So we set it up from there, really, and it's been a bit of a test... Um, so the first eleven schools have now passed, mm. which includes prime, some primary, secondary, special schools, and um, pupil referral units. So we got a really nice mix, and that required some adaptation because children in primary are slightly different from children yeah. in secondary. But really, it was about us saying that this mark of excellence is awarded by the young people. Mm. So it's about young people saying this is a good place, it's a supportive place, and the systems that have been put in place work for us.
1: Mm. It's. It was interesting talking to the young people about that because th- there was that sort of challenge for them about around how they, how they're able to sort of assess their own school but not be disloyal to it. And so it was. There's it, sort of a level of maturity that needs to kind of um, be be sort of taught or th- talked through around the fact that they won't be upsetting anyone and it's just part of um, improvement. How did you get around that? aspect of it?
4: A lot of that was done by Claire the co-production worker who works for me and it was really about helping the young people understand what we were looking for and that actually if it wasn't there we would work with the school and be supportive so this was never about coming in and saying the school isn't doing good and that's it it was always about every school has areas of improvement, some things they're doing well, some things by their own admission they're struggling with so we were very clear to the young people that this was about them helping us, almost like sort of investigators, to investigate what worked well, what didn't, and that we would support them and the school mm. to fix whatever didn't work. Mm. And that's why we wanted to make sure young people were really supported in this.
1: Mm. And it sounds like they were. What kind of support did they did they get? Um, so we were very
4: honest with them about once um, they'd been selected, initially there was an assembly And any young person could volunteer because, again, we didn't feel it should be the school who picked them. And then there was a few meetings where there was, they may not perceive it as training, but it was training them about what we were going to do, why we were doing it, what might be okay, what might not. So we had a lot of discussions about, you know, it's not about playing pranks on teachers or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. But it is okay to be honest. Mm. And obviously that reflects a lot of their PSHE because we've been working with all of the schools to put in place the Jigsaw uh, PSHE pack. And that covers a lot about talking about worries and feelings and being honest about things. So in a way, they'd kind of already had some of that skills anyway and you know reassuring them this isn't about teachers being in trouble it's also not about getting the teacher that maybe told you off yesterday into trouble (laughs) but really it was about being collaborative with the young people and asking them what kind of things they thought we should test so the scenarios although we had some basic ones were developed with the young people to reflect things that they thought needed testing in their school Mm. and i think that's an important part of this giving young people a certain amount of control because they come to the school every day they know what works well they know what doesn't mm.
1: Apart from the scenarios was there anything else that the young people kind of were part of in terms of the evaluation of the and the quality assurance?
4: Yeah, so there was, a, I guess, a kind of informal focus group as well, so for those who weren't given scenarios, they were given the opportunity to talk to Claire as an independent person about what they really liked, what didn't work so well, and that's the same across all the schools. We've obviously adapted the scenarios depending on if it's primary or secondary. When working with our special schools, we use the PEC tools because some of the children are non-verbal. So we've really made sure that there shouldn't be a barrier to to young people having a say in their school and really helping with that. And I think most of the schools have embraced it because it reflects what Ofsted say, Mm -hmm. that actually you need to make sure children have a voice in your school. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it was almost... I think it was quite scary for some of the teachers, you know. It's quite scary being judged by your pupils, but at the same time it's given them lots of evidence for Ofsted that they do actually genuinely take on board what young people say and what matters to them. Mm.
1: Have you found there's been any challenges to schools taking on a whole school approach?
4: I think some of it has been schools initially see it as a lot of work. In terms of schools, we have two schools, Policy and Practice Officers, who very much supported schools through it. And we also are running a parallel system in the community. So we've got some youth services who are going through a whole organisational approach as well. And again, we've got community officers supporting them. I think with anything like this at the start, it can look a bit daunting. What we did was we reassured schools that actually this isn't starting from scratch. We know you've got a lot of this in place. It's just about gathering some of that evidence, because that's the first step of the process, is that self-assessment. Yeah. And actually, that's a good exercise anyway, because if Ofsted come, that's exactly what you'd have to do. So, you know, we also um, buddied up schools together. Mm. So it was about them realising, OK, so you've got a policy, it's vastly out of date, but some three other schools, but another one's got a really up-to-date policy, And I think that's really important in Hull because we're all—all the schools are academised. When they all became academies, it became quite fragmented. So some of this has been about not just in terms of a multi-academy trust but building links between them because the school down the road may not be in your multi-academy trust but it may have the thing that you're looking for and you may have the thing you're looking for and actually all the children live in the same area and that's what we wanted really, we're aspiring to a whole city approach to this. So a lot of it was reassuring schools, yes it looks daunting and actually the 11 schools who've just completed have all fed back, it wasn't as bad as they thought and actually it was quite reassuring in a way that they had so much in place it kind of validated a lot of what they hoped was good yes we had a schools event last week where we were awarded the the first batch and some of those schools stood up and talked about it which i think is again really important schools talking to other schools we have about another 30 schools working towards it for the end of the easter term Brilliant. so the idea is we'll keep driving forward yeah but i think with any new thing it's Mm, you know, oh God, something else to do on my list.
1: (laughs) Do you go back and reassess at any point or is it once you've kind of met a threshold, do you you stay with it beyond that or is there...
4: Yeah, the plan is we will go back. I mean, we have a continued ongoing relationship with the schools anyway through Head Start and through other aspects like PSHE becoming statutory. Part of our role is making sure that schools have ongoing support so it's not just about the, the whole school approach. So we will be going back. Some schools got the mark of excellence but have a small action plan of things they want to further improve so we'll continue to support them and and work with them on that
1: that's brilliant so just i guess finally you've talked i think you've touched on this already but some of the positive aspects of being involved in the whole school approach but taking it from a a city-wide approach is you know you talked about the relationships between schools you know i I think you know yours isn't the only area in the country where that fragmentation happened due to multi-academy trusts, so that's wonderful. What are the kind of positives have you seen from taking, not just a city approach, but then the sort of the whole school mental health approach?
4: I think it's about giving consistent messages to young people. So we very much tried to take an asset-based approach. We didn't come in and go, you know, you've never thought of this before, because all schools do a lot around improving emotional well-being. What we wanted to make sure was young people got consistent messages, both in school and out of school, but also as they move between schools, um, whether that's primary into secondary or or through other moves. And really, I think the city-wide approach is quite an important one. And also, we've done work with parents as well. This was developed because the document came from Department of Education and schools said, this is great, we all agree with it, but what does good look like? Mm -hmm. And I think in the academisation process, with the fragmentation, they'd lost a lot of what does good look like. Mm -hmm. So it was about having a supportive programme that worked with them rather than came and did to them. And what we're seeing really is schools have developed further things, so they're really taking some of the concepts that we've worked with them on and, and really owning that and embedding it. And the feedback from young people is, you know, school is one of the few places where they really feel they can be themselves, they can talk to people, they can express fears and worries and concerns. And that's really important part of growing up because school should be that safety net and schools are very clear you know to them emotional wellbeing is part of safeguarding it's part of everybody's business in that sense mm. and we're really pleased to see that reflected in the ofsted guidance mm. and we also know the more young people are happy and emotionally well the better they do at school mm, so so it kind of works on on all those levels mm. really
1: mm. I was just thinking schools might be wondering you know what model you used so was it something you developed with it, the schools
4: yeah it was taken from the Department of Education Guide so that had eight sections around senior mm. leadership children's voice access to targeted interventions good PSHE so as I said it's the kind of thing schools do well anyway so we used those eight sections as the criteria and we worked with some of our pilot schools to develop it mm. and I think that's been the important thing you know it's not about para- shooting in and saying would you like to pay me 500 quid to come and audit your school it's actually about developing a tool that schools feel a sense of ownership over they understand it and and it's valued but also they told us they missed some of the things that that used to be like the Healthy Schools Award because that again I was involved in that so some of it modelled those kind of you know let's gather the evidence let's hear from the young people for me though the young people validating it was a really important bit because We've had feedback from older teenagers, you know, well, the school's got a policy on bullying, say, but what difference does it make? And that's the real important bit for us was the so-what factor, really. You can have policies, you can have procedures, and they're really important, but if the young people don't feel listened to, don't feel they can talk about worries, then, then somehow all that paper doesn't. Doesn't matter. Mm. So so it came from a kind of double ethos of helping schools locally implement the national document, but doing it in a way where we put young people's needs at the centre and young people's voice. What a wonderful
1: way to end the podcast. Thank you so much for your time, Gav. Okay. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So in this episode and the interviews, I think the students have shown a real maturity and capability. Of being able to pick up the reins of student leadership, supporting a whole school mental health approach, noticeably with the right ongoing support, guidance, and training. Gail talks about how Head Start and the approach being taken in Hull helps schools to understand what good looks like and ensuring that mental health is not a tokenistic tick box exercise. If you're not in a Head Start area in the UK or if you're somewhere else internationally, There are some further ideas on the Halcyon Education website. So if you scroll down, you can download a 22-page e-book and an assessment tool, which will help you understand where the gaps are in your school. It's called the 10 Steps to a Mentally Healthy School. Also on the website for this episode, there are a couple of resources, an application form for a student wellbeing team and an ideas sheet as well. Many thanks and take care.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For more information and support on this topic, go to the resources section on the website. That's www.halcyon.education.com forward slash podcasts.